He woke up to someone yelling at him, Rick, get up, the house is on fire. I woke up in the middle of the night to see an old man standing by my bedroom door, smiling at me. I'm thinking he's going to bust the damn door down, she's kicking it so hard, and as I'm running to open it, I'm yelling, I'm coming, I'm coming. I get to the door, and there's nobody there. I tore off, but that kid stood his ground, and he thumped off the bumper of my car. There's a giant altar that exists at the center of this house, and there's dead birds everywhere, with some of them with needles sticking in them. She realized he wasn't actually a man because he's floating, his legs just fade away into nothing. The kid I know I stabbed twice looks at me and says, maybe next time, and then the group of them just walk off into the night. I checked the ground and the knife, but there was no blood, there wasn't anything. What's up? Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Thistle. I'm your host, Thistle, and on today's show, I'm going to be discussing the Great Pyramid of Giza and other fascinating structures of the ancient world. I'm also going to be touching upon ancient astronaut theory. Did aliens really build the Great Pyramid? Well, I think they did, or at the very least had some sort of influence in the construction of it. And, you know, I know a lot of people just immediately close this episode, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, I know my opinion is going to bring me a lot of heat, so can't wait to read all of those spicy comments. (laughs) In all seriousness though, you know, I'm fascinated by the Great Pyramid and I have been for quite some time, you know, ever since I was a little kid and it's arguably the most enigmatic structure in the world and for reasons I'm going to be sharing with you in today's show. Um, But before we dive into the all of that, crazy tinfoil hat goodness if you have a story or a topic you'd like to share on the show send me an email my email address is thistlepodcast at gmail.com now buckle up because we're about to go off the rails a little bit now if you don't know a whole lot about the great pyramid of giza don't worry because i'm gonna fill you in (laughs) uh there are a lot of strange coincidences air quotes coincidences Uh, regarding the construction of the Great Pyramid. Um, For instance, it's perfectly aligned along the cardinal points north, south, west, and east within three sixtieths of a degree of true north. And considering that some scientists believe that the Earth's axis has been shifting slowly through time, it may very well have been accurate when it was originally constructed 4,500 years ago. That's 2,500 years before the birth of Christ. Now, it was constructed with 2.3 million stone blocks mostly made of limestone but you know some of them also had alabaster which would line the outside of the pyramid making it very smooth and white and granite um was in there as well but it was and the granite was mined roughly 850 kilometers south of Giza near Aswan and each block is estimated to weigh between two and a half to 15 tons and they're all held together with like 500,000 tons of mortar, which is arguably stronger than the stones themselves. I mean, come on, it's held the pyramid together for 4,500 years. It's the only surviving wonder of the ancient world. So like that shit is like the equivalent of God's superglue or something. Like it is mighty impressive. And 
in total, with all the stones and mortar, the pyramid is estimated to weigh roughly 6 million tons. Um, it stands 145, sorry, 147 meters tall, with each side measuring 230 meters in length, and it is level. It's built level to within 2.1 centimeters. We're talking centimeters here. It, it is phenomenally precisely built. Um, and it served as the largest man-made structure ever built in recorded history, and it held that title for 3,800 years until the Lincoln Cathedral was completed in England, and I think that was around the thir early 1300s. I don't remember the year. Um, Google it. <laughs> also, here's a little fun fact about the pyramid. It's not really four-sided. Now, if you look closely, each... Um, each of the four sides actually dips in, it's uh, concaved in the center, so it's actually an eight-sided pyramid, you know, which, which just only further adds to the complexity of the structure right now. And if you think all of that is impressive, well, you're right, because it is. <laughs> but that's not why I think that aliens built the pyramids. Mathematicians who have studied the pyramid have discovered that not only was the pyramid a significant architectural an engineering accomplishment, but hidden within the blueprints are the same pi and phi ratios that exist throughout nature and the universe. And I can't get into all that right now. It's a fascinating subject in and of itself. <laughs> you know, it's basically, it's basically an entire episode on its own. Um, but anyways, the ratio between the height of the pyramid and the base is the golden ratio, phi. Now, then if you take half the perimeter of the base, Okay, and then divide it by the height, you get pi. Now, it is just weird that the pi and phi ratios are in the pyramid, especially considering pi wasn't discovered until like 250 BC. Um, and I think it was, I think it was, Archim yeah, it was Archimedes who calculated it. It somehow, approximately 2300 years before Archimedes, the ancient Egyptians not only knew about it, but were applying it to the construction of the pyramid. How? Who knows? Who knows? That's 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 why we're here discussing it. <laughs> also, and this is creepy too, the distance in the Earth. Okay, so the distance the Earth spins or rotates at the equator in two seconds is equal to the pyramid's perimeter. Now there are 86,400 seconds in a day, so two seconds is therefore one forty-three thousand two hundredths of a day. So. This isn't my math, obviously. I'm not a mathematician. But multiplying the height of the Great Pyramid by 43,200 equals the polar radius of the Earth. Which, so that's the distance between um, the North Pole to the equator. And then multiplying the perimeter of the Great Pyramid by 43,200 equals the equatorial circumference of the Earth. And that's the distance around the Earth at the equator. And what that means is that the Great Pyramid is there, therefore a 1 to 43,200 scale model of the Northern Hemisphere of the planet. And it represents a 1 in 43,200 ratio of time in a day. Now, how in the heck did the ancient Egyptians know that? Like, come on! But wait, there's more. Just when you thought the pyramid couldn't get any more strange. Um, now, the, lat the latitude... 29.9792458 degrees north intersects the Great Pyramid of Giza, which happens to be the speed of light in meters per second. Now, that is all sorts. 
of weird and spooky. Now, could it be a coincidence? Absolutely. Especially, you know, when you consider that, when you consider the idea why even travel wasn't established until, I have to look this up, hang on, pause, 1676, which is roughly 2,800 years after the construction of the pyramid. The Egyptians using pi and meters per second, uh, yeah, it's a bit anachronistic to say the least, especially considering that the ancient Egyptians used cubits as their unit of measurement. So that, you know, that only further validates that the speed of light in meters per second as the coordinate of the Great Pyramid of Giza is just merely a coincidence. Or is it? (laughs) But despite all of these amazing architectural and engineering accomplishments um, that have really stood the test of time, there are no records detailing its its construction, and scientists have yet to discover a definitive explanation on how the ancient Egyptians built this damn thing. I don't know about you, but I can't believe, I just, I can't believe that everything is just all a coincidence. And I'm not a statistician by any means whatsoever, but the odds that this is truly, that, but the odds that this truly enormous structure, which was built within two centimeters of being level, perfectly level, within three sixtieths of a degree of true north, with pi and phi ratios present in its design. Oh, and it's a scale representation of the Earth's northern hemisphere and its latitude coincides with the speed of light in meters per second. I mean, come on, the odds must be so infinitesimally small that it's near impossible. And that, therefore that means that it was done intentionally. And call me crazy, but if it's not aliens, it's sorcery. <laughs> like, straight up, like what the fuck? Like, how, like, how the heck did they do it? Like, how? You know, the most accepted theory is that it was likely constructed by slaves, and no doubt, if it were built at the time, and that they built it by dragging these stones across the desert by sled. The ancient Egyptians didn't know about wheels at the time. Uh, The wheel was invented in Mesopotamia a thousand years later, in 3500 BC. So, pause. They knew about geometry, irrational numbers, and the relationship to the world around them and could apply them in advanced engineering mathematics, but they couldn't figure out the benefits of a wheel. Not saying a wheel probably wouldn't work in the desert, you know, when you think about it realistically, but still, they didn't know about a wheel. The wheel hadn't been invented when the pyramids were built. Nevertheless, they dragged these two to 15 ton stones across the desert by wetting the sand down in front of the sled, and that would allegedly reduce the pulling force required um, by like half. It, that would make it much easier uh, to pull these things across the desert. And the granite blocks, um, you know, they were mined almost a thousand kilometers south in, uh, in Aswan, um, and they were cut, dragged, and loaded onto rafts and then sent up the river to the building site. And it's believed that the ancient Egyptian builders constructed a ramp which wrapped around the pyramid, allowing them to push the stones up the ramp and into place. And then they used, they think that they probably used levers and pulleys, which were used to lay the, like the top third of the pyramid. Now at face value, this theory seems like a perfectly reasonable and logical deduction. However, if a ramp was used in the construction, you know, it would need to be like stronger than the stones in order to withstand all that weight. And you know, wouldn't that ultimately mean that it would have required more material than the pyramid itself? Which just seems not feasible since the pyramid's already taking up so much. Like, I, 
I don't know, but not only that, these stones are massively heavy and to push that like a three ton block up a ramp would take, it would be like, it would be fucking hard. Taking a tremendous amount of time and energy. And as I mentioned, there are over two million stones used in the pyramid's construction, which means that in order to have the pyramid built in the 20 to 30 year timeline that scientists believe in historical texts claim it was, you know, that would mean that a stone would need to be laid once every three minutes. Every three minutes, one of those massive blocks would have had to have been laid. And most of the pyramid is made of limestone, which is a relatively softer stone and therefore, uh, you know, it's more manageable than other types of rocks. But the Egyptians were able to chisel and cut these limestone blocks using copper tools because iron wasn't available to them at this time. They're still in the Bronze Age. However, granite is much more difficult to manage because granite contains quartz and, you know, which is about a seven on the hardness scale and diamonds are a 10 to give you a little bit of perspective. So granite is significantly harder to work with, um, especially for the if all the ancient Egyptians had worked with these copper tools. Now it's believed that they used dolerite hammers to repeatedly smash into the granite. Um, and dolerite is just like another type of rock, um, you know, and this repeatedly, this repeated smashing would eventually split the granite rocks. Now, that sounds much easier than it was considering that they would only make about five millimeters progress in an hour. So they'd be out in the Egyptian desert sludging these fucking rocks, trying to split granite, and then you're doing that for an hour steady and you're only making five millimeters progress. Like that is, holy, that is, talk about a hard day at work. <laughs> They were probably slaves though, and being forced to do that, like that is awful. But anyways, moving on here, the king's chamber is, is entirely lined with massive granite blocks and they are cut so precisely that you can't even fit a piece of paper between the cracks. So how on earth did they manage to cut all of these massive blocks, especially these granite blocks with laser precision, ship them to Giza and build the pyramid in a mere 20 to 30 years? And that just seems insane to me, absolutely insane. And the Greek historian Herodotus claimed that it took 100,000 men working seasonally so that there were still men to work in the fields and whatnot. But you know, late 20th, late 20th century archeologists claim that it probably, they probably only needed like 20,000 permanent workers to get the job done. While others claim that the pyramid was built on the backs of slaves. And I, I do believe that that is the more likely option of the three. But who really knows? It has been so long and I don't believe that we will ever really know exactly how it was done. But the fact remains that it is more accurately built than many modern day skyscrapers. And it's just so, it's just so precisely done and by people who, you know, were not technologically advanced, allegedly. I also find it odd that if you draw straight lines out from, from each of these pyramids four corners and then one from the center of each of its sides, and extend those lines out so that they wrap around the earth. Other pyramids, ancient ruins, and megalithic structures seem to fall on these same lines. So it's almost as if the pyramid is located at the center of the earth. Now, I don't know if that is coincidental or not, but I find it very peculiar. And I find it even more bizarre that the accepted belief is that the Great Pyramid of Giza was built as a tomb for some fourth dynasty pharaoh, Khufu. Now, if that were the case, then Khufu accomplished one of the most outstanding 
architectural feats in the history of, of civilization. And with that would come some pretty serious bragging rights, I would think. Now, why on earth wouldn't you want your name plastered all over it? Or at the very least, extremely well documented so that all the generations to come would remember your name and how Khufu was such an amazing pharaoh having built the pyramid, you know, but that's just not the case at all. There are no found records of it being built. There are no hieroglyphs anywhere on the inside depicting its purpose or, or of the pharaoh that was allegedly entombed inside of it. No, there's nothing. I can't... Okay, so above the king's chamber, there are like these four tiny little chambers that are closed off to the public. They're very difficult to get into. You have to climb up and crawl through these little spaces. It's really tight and people have gotten stuck. So, you know, they just close it off to the public. But up in there, there's a very small section of writing, something very vague about about Khufu in there. But I don't remember um, what it said, but... I don't, and I don't know if that is actually valid because here, the same rooms where this little piece of writing is, you know, they've all been vandalized by all of the previous archaeologists from the 1920s and 30s. You know, they all wrote their names on it and stuff. So like, who's to say that that small inscription about Khufu wasn't written at some point in history or by these early archaeologists themselves? And to me, it just seems like a very odd place to put a pharaoh's name and maybe Khufu you know, maybe he wasn't an egotistical person, so it wasn't important to him to have his name and accomplishments documented. But I find that very unlikely considering the egotistical nature of Egypt's pharaohs, believing that they were one of the gods and whatnot. Uh, furthermore, the supposed sarcophagus, air quotes here, in the king's chamber is really, you know, it's really rough and it's crudely built. There's nothing really special about it or the king's chamber at all for that matter. You you would think that the room would be painted with hieroglyphs of Khufu's life and reign as a pharaoh, you know, with a sarcophagus made of something better than what it was. You would just think it would be extra special. I mean, look at Tutankhamun's sarcophagus, for instance. You know, King Tut was a relatively unimportant Egyptian pharaoh. He was buried with treasures and riches that rivaled, you know, the greatest of, greatest of pharaohs. And Khufu is the pharaoh and the great mastermind behind the pyramid. You know, why on earth would he just have some piddly little roughly carved rectangular box in a room of plain granite walls? You, you know, you could argue that grave robbers pilfered it over the centuries, but you know, that still does not explain why this pharaoh's tomb doesn't contain any hieroglyphs like all of the other, dis like all the other discovered tombs do. You know, that doesn't seem logical to me. And it would indicate to me anyway, being the expert that I am. <laughs> That's sarcasm, by the way. Um, but to me, it would seems that the pyramid's purpose wasn't actually a tomb for Khufu. So if it wasn't a tomb, then what the heck was it used for? Well, obviously, there's lots of speculation. Um, but I read this book, and <laughs> keep an open mind here. Make sure your tinfoil hats are on tightly. Uh, it's called the Giza Power Plant technologies of ancient Egypt and the author is a man by the name of Chris Dunn and he's an engineer actually and he believes that the pyramid was uh, a generator of some sort so if you were to look at a cross section of the pyramid there's this subterranean chamber below the ground level um, and it sits below the pyramid so uh, Chris Dunn believes that the subterranean chamber was actually flooded with water that came down from the shaft uh, there's this shaft um, that comes down from an opening near the base of the pyramid. And when water would be 
poured down there, it would come rushing down this shaft into this little chamber and it would bypass a valve and slam shut, which would cause the water to slam against the ceiling of the subterranean chamber. Now, Chris actually, he made a little model replica to test his theory. And he said that when, that the rep, that the repeated slamming of the water, which would cause a shock wave to be sent up the Great Pyramid. So these vibrations are being sent up through the ground to the pyramid and that they come into the king's chamber. And as I mentioned, the king's chamber is encased in granite, while the high levels of quartz found in the granite actually allows granite to resonate and amplify frequencies. So um, the granite would be picking up these vibrations and then it would, you know, amplify them at this certain frequency and this would generate electrons. Now, his theory is that the pyramid was operating as a machine to use those electrons being generated in the king's chamber to create an electromagnetic energy. And you know, as crazy as it sounds, it's like science fiction, but to me, as far-fetched as that sounds, that makes more sense than the pyramid being used as a tomb. You know, I think it's a good hypothesis, but I also want to point out the effect of electrons on the human body. So electrons and negative ions are actually beneficial to the body. So in short, negative ions actually create positive vibes. And that's true. You know, there've been lots of studies showing that when we inhale or ingest negative ions, once they reach the bloodstream, they begin to produce biochemical reactions that help increase levels of mood and chemical serotonin. Now that will, what serotonin helps alleviate depression, uh, stress, you know, it gives you just an all around, a general all around boost of energy. So maybe, you know, we're already deep in the rabbit hole here. <laughs> maybe the pyramid wasn't an electromagnetic generator. Maybe it was a generator of good vibrations. <laughs> Uh, but they would use it to aid in healing and health. Maybe that's what it was used for. I don't know. This is obviously just all speculation, um, clearly, but it's all, it's just all fascinating. And, you know, it basically tells me one of two things. If it wasn't aliens who built it, then clearly at one time, there existed an extremely culturally and scientifically advanced race of humans. And maybe maybe it was an advanced global race that existed, you know, that, and they're, that they're responsible for the pyramids construction. I, and I say global race because as I mentioned, there are pyramids found across the globe. I mean, I think there are like a hundred in Egypt alone, um, but there's all sorts of megalithic structures and sites all over the world that fall along those lines extending from the pyramid, especially in Mexico and South America. Mexico and South America have very similar cultures with ancient Egypt. So maybe, you know, that is the result of direct influence. So that's maybe Egypt directly influenced Mexico and then Mexico influenced South America or South America influenced Egypt or, you know, vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that could be what happened. Or maybe, like I said, it was a global advanced civilization that lived thousands of years ago and faced some sort of massive cataclysm that ultimately wiped them off the face of the earth, taking with them all of the knowledge and ancient mysteries now lost forever. Or perhaps this hypothetical advanced race of humans built these massive structures and encoded the mathematical knowledge into them so that if anything ever did happen, they could cross their fingers and hope eventually humanity would figure it out and then un unlock all the ancient secrets again. <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of these weird 
technologically advanced remnants throughout the world though. For instance, Machu Picchu, another perfect example. Uh, and I don't want to go talking about Machu Picchu too much because I want to make an episode about it. Um, it really is amazing. Uh, the walls around Machu Picchu are similarly built with the same techniques as the walls found around the Pyramids of Giza. And you know, there's also Easter Island, Cusco, Ollantaytambo, Sacsayhuaman. All of these ancient sites all seem to share the same building techniques. Uh, there's also the Nazca Lines, um, but those those aren't really monolithic or anything. They're, I think they're considered, I think they're called geoglyphs actually. Um, they're like the Paracas Candelabra, but uh, nonetheless, they're impressive. And then there's the ruins of Chichen Itza in Mexico. You know, there's lots of places. Um, Puma Pumco, the stone blocks of Puma Pumco, for instance, those are impressive. Now, if you're not familiar with those, um, they're basically these ruins high in the Andes Mountains, and they're in Bolivia. And I don't remember exactly, I think it was like 10,000 to 15,000 feet above sea level. Um, you know, just really high up there in these mountains. And there's this kind of like this desert plateau with these megalithic stones, truly some of the largest in the world. Uh, I think I remember reading somewhere that they're like 25 or 30 feet tall and they weigh over like a hundred tons each. And I, they're perfectly cut. Like they're perfectly square at 90 degrees. And some of them, they even have these like weird drill holes going through them at bizarre angles. It's almost as like they were cut and bored um, using some sort of advanced laser technology or drill technology. These blocks are just so astoundingly precise. It's hard to wrap your head around how they were constructed. And what's weird is that they're scattered across four square kilometers of this desert area, almost as if there had been some sort of cataclysm or explosion of some kind that just sent all these blocks just hurling through the desert. It's just, it's amazing. Um, and, and just to add to that a bit more, uh, in the 1940s, there was a researcher, a, a man by the name of Arthur Poznanski, and he actually dated the monolithic rocks of Pumapunku to be built 17,000 BC. Now granted, his calculations were based on astroarchaeology and a tremendous amount of patience. <laughs> Uh, apparently, this culture used to base their architecture around the stars and whatnot, so what Poznanski did was he looked at the ruins and figured out where the buildings would have stood and then matched the buildings up to the stars in the sky and to see where they aligned. And apparently, the buildings aligned with the stars at a point in history around 17,000 BC. Uh, and I'm not sure how accurate that would be. To me, you know, that just sounds like a lot of guesswork, but he spent his whole life doing this so he must have known a thing or two, I would presume. Um, but I don't know. To me, that just sounds like a lot of, oh yeah, like I think this building went here and it kind of matched up with this star over here in the spring equinox. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems a bit sus to me, um, which is rich coming from somebody who believes aliens built the pyramids. So listen, I don't know a lot of things, okay? <laughs> I'm just sharing my opinions based on what I've learned and read about. So I find it very puzzling that these monuments and these structures are so expertly crafted and we still don't know how they were built. And another perfect example of this is the Vitala temple in India. And this temple, it has a bunch of perfectly crafted 
musical pillars. There's 56 to be exact. And you know, when you tap on them with your hands and your thumbs, they vibrate and they make music. And there's sections of these pillars that are perfectly tuned to sound like a woodwind instruments or percussion instruments or strings or something. Like they're the same shape, size and weight. And when the British were actually colonizing India, they were so fascinated by, by these pillars that they actually cut one, bastards, um, but they cut one to see how they, how the heck they made them. And they didn't find anything. It was just perfect craftsmanship. And these pillars aren't even made of anything special. They're, they're, they did a test on them and they're made of solid granite with silica particles and metal, metallic alloys in them. And to this day, modern technology hasn't been able to replicate them. So that is a bit perplexing to me. Also, I should add that uh, apparently these, this temple was originally built to communicate with the gods. So by banging on these, t on these pillars with your hands, you were sending music and vibrations to the gods. And if I'm not mistaken, each of these pillars was individually tuned to like a seven note, I think it was a seven note Sanskrit scale. Um, that, and that, you know, that's pretty remarkable. And it really makes you ponder the amount of time and the dedication it would have taken to build it. And the fact that, you know, we're not able to replicate it with modern technology really speaks to the craftsmanship of the ancient times. How they did it is forever a mystery, you know, we'll never know. I truly believe that. And I stand by me, my opinion that the pyramid as well as other structures were built by or influenced by extraterrestrials. <laughs> you know, in my mind, the only other logical explanation would be that obviously ancient civilizations were way more advanced than we've been led to believe. And I think that either way, it would rewrite the history books. And I don't really care. I, I, I truly don't really care if it was actually aliens that are responsible for building all the crazy remnants of the ancient world. I think it would be pretty cool if they were though. I mean, depending on the context, of course. It wouldn't be as cool to find out that the aliens enslaved humanity and used our labor to construct their temples and buildings for them. Definitely would put a damper on things a bit. But I'm curious to know what are your thoughts, though? You know, how do you think that the Great Pyramid was built? What do you think about the idea of ancient aliens? It's a bit of a hot topic, so I can't wait to read all of the comments and feedback I'm going to get. Uh, but, you know, that just about wraps up today's show. I really hope you liked it. Let me know what you... Let me know what kind of topics you want me to cover in future episodes. I want to make shows that you guys are enjoying listening to. So if you have a story you'd like to share or a topic that you think might be good for the show, send me an email. My email address is thistlepodcast at gmail.com. And if you liked today's episode, consider dropping a like and clicking that subscribe button. I would really, really appreciate it. It'll help the show grow so more people are able to enjoy it. Thanks so much for sticking around listening to the very end. I really do appreciate the heck out of you. And until next time, sleep tight.